Hello, podcast listeners. Today, my sermon is entitled, Reluctance is Normal, and I'm speaking to the fact that we're not often enthused to give our lives away as Jesus instructs in today's reading. I hope that you have a good week and that this is helpful to you. This reading comes from the lectionary for today, John 12, verse 20 through 33. Now in chapter 12, Mary anoints Jesus' feet with expensive perfume, and then he entered Jerusalem triumphantly as many hailed him as the Messiah. And that brings us to today's reading. I invite you to hear these good words. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Verily, very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it. And those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And let us pray. Gracious God, we enter into meditation on your word at this time. And so bless our concentration and bless our interpretation. But most of all, bless our conviction that we may love more fully. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, this scripture today is a great example of counterintuitive theology. Those who love their life will lose it, and those who hate the world will gain life? Counterintuitive thinking is where the logical choice, response, or answer is actually false, whereas the absurd solution is the true solution. Now, there's lots of examples of counterintuitive behavior. How about this? The less desperate you are for something, the more likely you are to get it. Think about it. It applies to job offers, dates, (laughs) bank loans, etc. How about this one? The less choices you are presented with, the more likely you are to pick one. Now, they did a study on this at supermarkets. Have you ever been paralyzed by the amount of salad dressings you have available to you? (laughs) Some small selection stores like Aldi's don't have near the selection, and so the shoppers pick one and move through the store much faster. Or here's another example. The less choices you have in making a purchase, the more satisfied you'll be with your selection. Now, you would think that by having more choices, you would be able to select the product that fits you perfectly, and thus you'd be more satisfied. But that's not the case. It turns out the more selections you have, when you finally make your choice, you're more likely to second-guess yourself. Maybe I would have been happier with one of the other choices. 
how do I know that this one will be the best one? This may be true when you're trying to pick out a health insurance plan. <laughs> Did I get the right one? Will this one be the best one for my family? Am I throwing away too much money in this plan? Or by taking the cheapest choice, am I really covered? I was happier when they just told me, here's your insurance plan our company has arranged for you. <laughs> okay, so let's get to John's counterintuitiveness. What do the Greeks have to do with anything? We see at the beginning, these Greeks encounter the disciples, Philip and Andrew, which are both, both Greek names, by the way, and they want to see Jesus. Now, this may have been counterintuitive for early Christians because earlier in this chapter, Jesus has his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Now, Palm Sunday is next week when we'll see this scene, but in John, it precedes today's reading in chapter 12. This is the scene where Jesus is hailed as the Messiah. The Messiah is supposed to be the real king of the Jews, not like that puppet Herod that was propped up by Rome. The Messiah is for the Jews, not the Greeks. The Jews are the ones who need to be free from Rome. So why would Jesus have time for any of these Gentiles? Get them out of here. Come on. But then Jesus tells us at the end of our reading today, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. So Jesus is breaking barriers. Maybe he does have some time for the Greeks. There's probably, there's probably some good news in there for us if we could just figure it out. Now, the second counterintuitive thing is where Jesus contrasts love and hate. We have these opposite emotions, and Jesus tells us that if we love our lives, we'll lose them. If we hate our life in this world, we'll gain eternal life. Now, what is Jesus talking about? Aren't we supposed to love our lives? Isn't that showing gratitude to God who created us? And isn't self-abuse a sin? So does this mean we're supposed to hate the world? I thought Jesus said to love the world. God so loved the world. What's going on here? You remember at the beginning of Lent when I spoke of the donkey in the well getting buried? <laughs> How he stepped up on the dirt and tamped it down, and eventually he was able to climb out? Well, with this saying, it would be more like the donkey becomes Eeyore. Well, I just expected them to bury me. I'll just let this dirt cover me up and end my miserable life. Now, that doesn't sound like what Jesus would tell us. So what is John trying to convey here? Remember that John's gospel is a theological gospel, and it has a lot of symbolism in it. So as we see John talk about the world, he speaks of Jesus overthrowing the ruler of the world. Now, that sounds like something the Messiah would do. But John is speaking cosmologically. The ruler of the world in this sense is seen as Satan, and Jesus is going to drive him out. Well, that's great. <laughs> How's he going to do this? With a sword? Maybe the flaming sword at the Garden of Eden. Jesus just pull it out of the ground and swish. No more devil. <laughs> of course, then someone would point out to me that the devil would not likely be vanquished by a flaming sword. It, it would just make him stronger. You know, the whole flaming and fire and hell thing. Okay, so no sword then. Jesus is going to defeat the world and hence the devil by dying. John's gospel seems to be saying that violent conflict is not the solution to our problems. But Jesus, you're the Messiah. Isn't violence the whole narrative of how the Messiah will rescue us? Come on, get busy. Jesus, the Messiah doesn't die. That defeats the purpose. But Jesus overthrows the purpose. Jesus gives us a new purpose by trusting in God, we can set our own lives aside and move toward God's purposes. 
And you may say, wait a minute, I don't know that I really want to set my life aside. I kind of like my life. And I don't think this is what Jesus means. It is not that we should hate ourselves or our lives. It is hyperbole. And it makes us turn aside the things that get in the way of participating in the mission of God, which ironically is to love the world. So that brings us to the final point. How do I love the self while being selfless? It may be that we need to start by hearing voices. Okay, now you're talking crazy. Voices? No, that was just thunder. In verse 28, Jesus hears God reassure him. In the next verse, some thought in the crowd thought it was just thunder, but then others thought it was an angel. And my point is that if we can tune into the spiritual, we are more likely to hear God's voice. This gives us the confidence to love ourselves. In fact, we can be so confident in who we are that we feel like we can give ourselves away. Now, that's counterintuitive. I think that the more selfless we are, the happier we are. In Portland Magazine, a priest at a Catholic church in Portland, Oregon, tells a story about a street person named Big Ben who would come daily to the church. And the priest writes that one Christmas Eve, they decided to have a special cafe evening to minister to the homeless. And an unusually large number of people came. At 9 o'clock, he says, we were down to our last pot of soup, though the hungry were still around the block. By 9.30, we were down to the last bowl, and there was Big Ben, face alight with his toothless grin. We filled his bowl to the brim, much to his delight, and that was the last of the last of the soup. As Ben made his way to the table in the corner, a tiny teenage boy whom none of us had seen before appeared. He looked like he'd been sleeping in mud, and he was shivering for lack of a coat, and his left eye sported a nasty bruise. Seeing that the last of the soup was served, his eyes grew large, and it seemed like he was going to cry. But he didn't. God knows how long he had waited in line, only to find no soup. Some of us were reaching for our wallets when Big Ben appeared with his bowl and he handed it to the boy. He then put his hand on the boy's cheek and caressed it as a father would caress his sons. And then he mussed the boy's hair, giggled, and wandered off. The priest writes, It was a tender moment that stood in contrast to the steel, concrete, and cold that too often embraced those without hearth and home. It was a moment that knitted us together a little more tightly and made me proud of my species. And it made me see, maybe for the first time, why God would want to be a human. What was that sound? Was that thunder? There's not a cloud in the sky. So what was that noise? Was it a voice? I think you know. Amen.